Oh, don't you worry. Whatever happens, you may think it all a mere bad dream. <laughs> all right, it is time. How is it going, everybody? Welcome back to, I guess you could say, a pretty special episode of Memory Card Memoirs. Today we are talking about the illustrious, ferocious, and honestly just fucking perfect game that is Bloodborne. And uh, I brought with me a host of guests from all around the world. We've got some old friends, returning guests, and even a new face. First, we got Kevin and Dan of the same room. How's it going, guys? Hey, man. Thanks for having us here. Um, fear, fear the old blood, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you could say uh, they're the veteran blood boys here. Yeah, we actually We're coined the, the, the term blood boys back in 2018. So. true. Nobody ever put those words together before <laughs> us. Uh, From Software reached out and they're like, thank you. We we actually want to rename the game, but it never came to be. <laughs> well, what I I think it was uh, Daniel said it in chat, and I was like, damn, that's good. That's going to be the group chat. And then I listened to your podcast on Bloodborne, and I was like, man, we're not that original. This sucks. I thought, I, th I thought it came up with it there and then, so... It's okay. That's the old blood. This is the new blood. We got new people. We got new yeah. faces. We're going to talk about blood. It's going to be really good. Yeah. Okay. Also, we got, uh, I guess you could say the Lord of Lumber himself, <laughs> the, the, the Lowe's manager and returning guest, Nate. How's it going? Good, man. Good. I'm excited to talk about this game. This is awesome. I love this game. It's such a pain in the ass, but it, it's so good. Episode 3 hasn't come out yet, but Nate was also the guest on that episode, and it was such a good time. It was now. a great like, time. Yo, a great come back time, immediately. Man. I was so excited to come back, too. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad to be doing this again. Thank you for having me. And we got the new boy on the block, Harry. How's it going? Yeah, it's going well. Uh, I'm really happy to be here. I might not sound it in my voice, but I am happy to be here. Um, I'm the little blood baby in this this big blood family so uh yeah no uh, i'm excited to talk about bloodborne and uh yeah it's all cool. the blood boys had a blood baby <laughs> so where do we where do we even start like my god a game like bloodborne uh i'm gonna come out and say it i'm gonna get spicy right off the bat mm, please do previously i would say like I separate my favorite games and what I think are the best games and what I'd say what's the best game of all time, I would say The Witcher 3. And my opinion has evolved to the point where I would say Bloodborne is the greatest game of all time. I'm going to come out swinging. There we go. We did it, boys. What, what changed <laughs> your mind? Was... <sighs> uh, I, I think The Witcher 3 has a lot of downtime and there's points where I'm like, oh, I don't like this part. Oh, it's getting slow. Oh, like dealing with this character is annoying, but Bloodborne just is much more consistent. And like the small times you do have downtime, it's like you get to take in the world a bit more. It's a bit more unique in a sense. And, you know, it's a very aggressive game a lot of the time. And it really, even after multiple playthroughs, like when I've been playing it these past few days, when I hit that boss, it's like every muscle in my body is tense and it's just, 
It's ex it's an exciting, familiar taste, I guess you could say. Bloodborne came out 2015. Unless I'm wrong, I, I did not play it when it came out. No, that's right. Uh, came out in between Dark Souls 2 and Dark Souls 3. And had a very different different spin. I I know we were talking about this before we started recording, but I played it a couple of years after. I played it in about 2018 mm -hmm. after it, yeah, same for it me. came on to uh, PS Plus. I remember uh, first year of college and I was like my uh, first and second semester. I was terribly sick, like t like bedridden pretty much. And I never I could barely go to school. I could I couldn't go to work, but I was like, fucking, I'm, I'm going to start Bloodborne. <laughs> really, really uh, had my priorities together. I was like, I'm not going to school today, but I'm playing Bloodborne, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin and Dan, what were your like first experiences with it? I probably had an earlier start because I, I picked up the game pretty much when it came out and I hated it. I really <laughs> disliked it. I, I just could not imagine anybody could pick up this game and have any level of fun without like just being a complete masochist, right? But that changed years later because I wasn't used to that style of game. I had skipped a couple Dark Souls and I think I played exactly 12 and a half seconds of uh, Demon Souls before I gave up on that one. But... I Dark Souls 3 came out and I got that big big FOMO and I was like let me pick up this game because everyone's saying it's it's extraordinary it's the best one in the series and it was and it's really good and I love it uh and I was like you know what let me go back to to Bloodborne and see now now that like the souls like has clicked for me let me go back to it and ended up uh I think what was it 2017 2018 like we all picked it up again uh went back to it and just fell in love with it because I was like there's something here that's just more there's something here that, that that it's like a primordial draw to this game. It's so interesting, and it's so interesting hearing from people like five, six years out from its release, just finding their way to it. And I think that just goes to show like the design is so rock solid and so interesting that it's it's like a beacon for all gamers in some way. So I ended up playing through it. Got the platinum for the game, which was pretty arduous because, as you, as some of you fellas know, you got to do a bunch of chalice dungeons to do it. But I still appreciated like every moment. I ate up that game uh, from start to finish. Just loved it, and I feel like every time I log in, every time that I decide to like look up a piece of lore or you know go on uh, the wiki for it, there's just something new. It, it, it's this layered, this Absolutely. layered thing that continues to unravel years and years. And every time I revisit it, I take away something new, and I say that's a rare experience for games, right? Usually when I, when I revisit, it's like, all right, these are well-treaded grounds. For Bloodborne, it always mm -hmm. feels fresh in some way. Boy, what about you, Dan? Yeah, my story well, is... Whoop, go ahead, Strong. I, I, was, I was just going to ask, what like when you first played it, what was hindering you? Like, Why didn't you like it right off the bat? Uh, mechanical. It was a mechanical basis thing. Because like, everything else checked the boxes for me, right? I, I love mm -hmm. the setting, the Victorian era, the, the kind of drenched in Lovecraftian and Gothic design of it. I like the creature designs. I thought they were super interesting, but it was that first hour crawl when you're running through Yarnum and going through the crowd of madmen that are blasting yeah. you up only, only to <laughs> yeah. get to your first uh. boss. The first boss, uh, what was it called? The, uh, the cleric, the cleric beast. Cleric yeah, beast. Yeah, Thank man. you so much. Yeah. Cleric beast just absolutely whips you and like <laughs> seems to increase the difficulty by like 15 times out of nowhere. And I just was not prepared. <laughs> I was like, you know what? Mm, nah, I'm all right. I'm done. I'm going to put this down. I don't get it. <laughs> and I, I didn't return for it, uh, to it for years until, 
until I actually gave uh, Dark Souls 3 a better check. And side branch on that, the reason that, that game clicked for me more is that it hits you with a boss almost immediately. Mm-hmm. And you had yeah. to learn it. Like, like rather than giving you the whole, like, oh, I'm walking through town, taking care of, like, uh, you know, easier enemies. No, 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 no. <laughs> you have a mountain in front of you. And if you can climb that, the rest of the game is smooth sailing, in my opinion. Yeah. I like yeah. that that boss is part of, like, the opening tutorial, too. Right. <clears throat> like, the first five minutes of that. So that's what made me go back to Bloodborne. Where I was like, well, wait a second. <laughs> if I can handle this boss here, and if I can handle this whole game, I can probably go back to Bloodborne. But it was it was definitely, like, correcting the way that I thought about the games a little bit more. Uh, just because there's that sense of aggression with its game design. Like, there's no playing it careful in Bloodborne. It, it really rewards the ferocious over the passive. I think a, a big thing that first clicked with me is I was like, uh, same thing, like that first stretch of like the um, the street, like filled with people and, and you just keep dying and you're running through it again and again. I was like, man, this is, this is so repetitive and I'm getting annoyed. And I was living with my friend Casey at the time. He's like, just run past him. I was like, oh, <laughs> what do you yeah. mean? <laughs> and it's like, and it's like, he's like, just, just go past him and get to the part you want to get to. And I was like, something clicked. It was just like, God, I'm dumb. Why did I just think of that? It's so much better. And you like get to a new lamp and you're like, finally, Jesus. But, um, what about, what about you, Dan? So Kevin and I tend to do things in, in cycles together, just having been roommates for so long. And like when he mood games onto a certain thing, I kind of latch very similarly. Um, I was working at GameStop in 2016 when Dark Souls 3 came out. And it was one of those games where it's like, I checked it out and I don't think I returned it for like two, three weeks until I beat it in full, which definitely illegal by GameStop standards, but they let it fly. Um, so that was kind of my induction into the the Souls games and definitely my clicking point. And I, I think if I hadn't started there, I probably would have been a lot more frustrated with Bloodborne. Um, and I bought it probably that following month and I didn't play it for two years. I just had it on my shelf. And then it was the summer of 2018 where I think Kevin and I were just talking about it. And I was like, I just really want to give it a shot. He's like, oh, you'll, you'll love it. And he, he always shares his frustrations, how it didn't click at first. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah it was interesting to see him go through the rise and fall. And, and when we were able to actually group up and play it together, I think it clicked in a similar way that Dark Souls 3 did for us at that same time. Um, mm-hmm. But going through it, yeah, it definitely is. It's very different. It's very different from your standard Soulsborne game. Um, especially because of the way you have to kind of measure yourself through combat. It's not like there's no shields, really. The the game, as it says time and time again, doesn't gender passivity. It wants you to play the more aggressive route. And with that, like you have to kind of rewire your brain. Um, I wasn't used to playing games like this. Like I, I don't think I had ever parried in a game probably, you know, prior to Dark Souls 3. If I did, it was probably a light mechanic. But to, to have this new mechanic introduced and really have it be one of my main tools, like knowing I have to go into a fight, use my blunderbuss to stagger, come in with the visceral attack and just like take out a boss. It it was one of those mechanics that like it took a, a fine few tries to click. But when it did, I felt like unstoppable. And I, I love that sense of reward the game gives you through its mechanics and how you master it over time, whether it's, you know figuring out how to do crowd control and just like take out enemies with wide sweeping attacks or having those like one-on-one hunter fights and it really does reward you the more time you spend with it um and yeah i spent two straight months with it after i picked it up that june uh, i looked at my trophies and it's like okay first trophy was like june 2018 last trophy was august and yeah i bled through like four playthroughs did the chalice dungeons which i wanted to crack my skull against i didn't enjoy that very much <laughs> it actually bucked me off and 
I, I didn't want to finish it. And Kevin's like, you don't have to do it if you don't want to. But it's just like, I had the blood frenzy in me at that point. Like I was mm-hmm. craved by it's a reference. Yeah. I wanted to get through it. Um, and I, I did the old hunters DLC kind of in parallel to some of that. So I can kind of like level up, but I, I love it. It's, it's not my favorite from software game, but I give it so much respect for what it does. Um, what it does even as like a PlayStation exclusive, um, it's kind of tones of horror and even the living legend behind it, how like people, like Kevin said, like are still talking about it today, still finding boss fights in the chalice dungeon, still like coming up with like background for the lore and characters and the the community with it is very much alive, which is why we can have these conversations like three, six years later. Right. Um, it, it just really does speak to the impact of it all. And, uh, hats off to Miyazaki for this one. So which Kingsfield is your favorite from software game? Name? Uh, probably Kingsfield too. Thank you. Kingsfield too. Okay. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> Uh, before we keep going, did anyone uh, play this game with a walkthrough or guide, or did you? Did everyone go in like dark? Mm. Mm. I played with a guide for the umbilical cords to kind of figure out like the order of operations. Uh, and uh, backpedaling a bit, Nate, what was your first experience with it? So my uh, my roommate uh, Sean was the one who got me into Souls in the first place. So he he had played Demon Souls and Dark Souls. It, it wasn't Casey. Casey like no, I never really I never really got into it. Then it was Sean. Like I just had known it was that game where you ran away from the boss at the start of the game, and, and yeah. I never really had gotten into <laughs> it. And he had showed me those games, so he had bought it right away when Bloodborne came out. But the problem was. Every time we had played, we had made like a strength build. Like we had just eaten hits with armors and, and shields and stuff. So very similar to Kevin, we like got into it and just got our asses handed to us <laughs> at the very beginning. Just because I was not used to dodging through attacks and, and mm-hmm. rolling around and just trying to... Like I was just so used to the shield. I hated the uh, the parry mechanic with the gun at first. I was like, oh, I'm not doing this. I'm literally just running through and then just getting my ass handed to me by the cleric beast every time so watching sean play he he managed to get through the cleric beast but i just was not interested in buying it at the time i'm like i'm getting filtered by the first like 10 minutes of this game yeah it's not for me and it wasn't until again i had played dark souls one i'd played dark souls two um but it was when i played dark souls three that i i made a much faster build um it just in it was when i got to i guess the uh the first lord of ember or whatever i forget what it's called the uh the it was just a very aggressive move set so i had to start rolling through attacks and then i was kind of i got into that groove and i decided to go back and when bloodborne was the free ps plus game i just played through the whole thing in a much more aggressive manner and i liked it a lot more it was uh it took me a bit to get into, but again, similar to Kevin, like once I had played Dark Souls 3 and I got that kind of faster gameplay in me, I loved it. It was probably my favorite one of the Souls series that I played through. It was the most satisfying one for me, I'd say. I think <laughs> you, me, Kevin, and Dan all played this game in 2018. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Brought together by the stars. <laughs> we all heard that bell at the same time. We all felt the call. <laughs> We're going to have, like, a, an old one come down and be like, I assembled you all here for a purpose, you know? We should meet together. Like, yeah, like, every ten years we meet together and we do a ritual. Yeah. Bring your and own challenge. Meet one of us with, the, with a new great one. Yeah, uh, Nate, like I was saying, I um, a, a big part of me playing this game was through Casey. Casey would always talk about it, and 
And whenever I get stuck, I'd be like, dude, what do I do? Like, help me out here. And he'd be like, just right. get good. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, that's so Casey. Up. Just get better at the game. <laughs> <laughs> And, then and that was time... the thing, though. You actually needed to get better at this game to be good. Like, you could statistically level up all you want, but it just the way the game was laid out and stuff, you genuinely needed to get good with some of the bosses when you get to, like, gas coin and stuff like that. I, like, I agree, but at the same time, I think, like, let's say me and Harry, like, we're colleagues, we both worked at play. Harry messages me, and he's like, dude, how, like, how do I beat Cleric Beast? And I'm just like, oh, get good. Like, that doesn't mean it. I'm not helping him, you know what I mean? It's like, just get better at the game. Like, like that's, I don't know. I, I never like that saying. I find it super off-putting in a sense, you know? I think it comes from the fact that you really can play this game by studying the move sets of the enemies. Like, if you know this guy does this many moves and this is the animation he's going to do, it, but that's so, it takes so long to do something like yeah. that. Like, you really have to get into it to figure out, like, oh, at this stage, he does this move when he does this animation and things like that. So I, I see what people mean when they say it, but it is, it's annoying. It's like, well, fuck, <laughs> man. Like, <laughs> game is too hard. Yeah, I think uh, when it comes to Bloodborne especially, I think the, the easiest thing to say is, like, it's like building a muscle. Right, like you need to build a muscle for this type of game because I know I know some people like to say that the games aren't hard. I won't go that far. I'll say that the games are hard, but they're fair. The games are absolutely yeah, fair, definitely. Uh, yeah. And it's it's yeah, it's just about about like the repetition of learning to take your failures as as a learning experience over it being like this is just punishment. This hurts, and that that's what like turned me away originally because I was just like this is just punishment for punishment's sake. And then like I realized years later punishment has a point <laughs> so it really yeah it, it just trains you how to play as you go through where there there's a reason why it's like we get stuck into it right after those few first licks with the you know uh, i would say these kind of gut check bosses like vicar amelia and such where you get to bosses that are very similar towards the end of the game that don't devastate you because you're like oh why do i feel equipped for this and it's not about being equipped it's about having practice <laughs> that's really mm -hmm. it so these games i would say require patience more than like skill than anything it, it's always like uh even now when i die it's like i immediately think i know what i did wrong i know what i did wrong and i'm gonna go back and i'm gonna correct it it's like that's what i find fun about the gameplay loop is like it, i never go into a boss fight and die and i'm like fuck this game this is this is cheat like it's cheap it's cheating you know what i mean i never have that mindset it's like nah i know what i did i'm gonna correct it and then do better right and keep doing better and better until i finally beat it does anyone have any any good stories through this game because i have one but i want to go first hang on can i say how i got into bloodborne <laughs> oh my god sorry no, I'm, I'm, I'm just deadly no. quiet I've gotten, so it's fine don't worry sorry man <laughs> um yeah no so uh uh, I'll make this good now. Um, so let's go back to 2013. Uh, the PS4 is just about to launch and I'm working in Game, which is the UK version of GameStop. Um, and I wanted to get a new game. I wanted to challenge it because I thought I was like a big boy gamer at that point. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try Dark Souls. <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, uh, I'm going to try um, Dark Souls. Um it was like pre-owned. It was like I can't remember how much. It was like five quid or something like that. It was really nothing. Uh, so I was like, oh, this will tie me over until the PS4 comes out. Um, 
And I think I played it for about an hour. And I was like, this is slow and boring and I can only hit a certain amount of times and I keep dying. So that promptly went on the shelf of which I don't even know where it is now. Um, and then skip forward to 2018, just like everyone else. Um, I picked up Bloodborne when it was free. Um, got to the Cleric Beast, got killed by the Cleric Beast multiple times, had that same feeling of I can only hit a certain amount of times, so this sucks. Um, and then lockdown came about in the UK, um, which was pretty sort of like long. Um, mm -hmm. It was the second lockdown though, so like November or something like that. Got the PS5, uh, started to play Demon Souls because that was like the only game on PS5, and that still is. Um, so uh, played through that and fell in love. Completely fell in love. I didn't think I would. I thought I'd, I'd I thought I'd come up against the same wall, um, but I just kept on pushing through it because I'd spent like seventy pound on this game um, and I wasn't going to put it down. Um, so uh, yeah, I I got through Demon Souls. Completely fell in love with it. Um, and I know a lot of people sort of like struggle with Demon's Souls a little bit. That's the gist I got from Twitter was like, it looks really nice, but the gameplay is stuck 15 years ago. Um, so I promptly moved on to um, Bloodborne because it was free. Uh, and yeah, I, I, for some reason, I just cracked it. It just all fit into place, even though the gameplay of Demon's Souls is completely different to the gameplay of Bloodborne. And just all fell into place, completely fell in love with it, um, platinumed it, and I think that was the first, that was my first platinum as well. Um, so I really put myself in the deep end there. Um, and I just played it over Christmas, which was really weird because it was really, really dark outside. <laughs> and there I am, like, trouncing through the uh, chalice dungeons on Christmas Day. <laughs> um, what a actually, Christmas! I think, I think my I think my boiler, the boiler in the house, had broken as well, so we had no heat in. So I'm sitting there, completely wrapped up in blankets, <laughs> playing through the chalice dungeons. Like my hands are freezing, but I'm like, I've got to get this. Um, I've got to get this platinum before I go back to work, and uh, did that. And yeah, I, I, I often talk about it with my long-suffering fiance, um, who just sort of like nods at me. But yeah, uh, <laughs> you're going on about the old blood, and she's just yeah, like, she's like yeah, sure, like I mean, <laughs> I don't know, like yeah, so yes, she, dear, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, like today, I put a Varty video on. Um, I think it was just like the half an hour Bloodborne explained thing just to sort of like bring me back up to speed and yeah the looks I was getting were yeah, they were <laughs> looks that could kill um, but yeah so uh, I cracked Bloodborne, went on to Dark Souls 3 which was fine, I won't talk about that that was fine, I enjoyed it but coming from Bloodborne I, I didn't enjoy as much and then went on to Sekiro Platinum Sekiro um, Jeez, this is a journey. Yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and uh, now we're here, and I don't think I'll ever go back to Dark Souls One as much as like people hold it in high regard. Um, mm -hmm. 
I think it's aged pretty roughly compared to the other stuff. I think now I've played Dark Souls 3, I think it's much more difficult to go back to the, the pace of Dark Souls 1. So, uh, I, yeah. I wonder how different your experience was because it was a lot newer compared to the rest of us that played it in 2018. Because anyone can jump in at this point, but even in 2018, I remember playing the game and it's like if I ever had trouble, I just rang the bell and somebody kind of helped me eventually. Did you? Did, well, first of all, did anyone else like have that kind of help back then? And Harry, did you have any help like that now? Um, I I stayed away. Actually, I didn't I didn't summon any um, player um, player help. I, I summoned a few NPCs, um, mm-hmm. but no, I I went through it completely offline. I didn't have any notes uh, dotted around, um, which I did for I, I played online for Demon Souls and. Uh, played online for Dark Souls 3 but completely off- offline for Bloodborne uh, looked at a few guides occasionally but that was more like what is this thing weak to <laughs> uh, not necessarily where to go next because I think it actually um, the uh, the structure of the game I think it leads you quite nicely around um, unlike Sekiro um, I think yeah I think it um yeah, I, 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 yeah, I didn't have to summon anyone. Um, just AI occasionally. And what about everyone else? Did you guys? Did anyone have any kind of like personal story? Bloodborne hit you at like a specific time that you kind of remember it for, or kind of sticks in your memory? I think for me, um, obviously, it's still like a fresh memory. Um, but bit just being in lockdown and uh, just it, it not giving me something to do necessarily, but like. It was a real focus, real, real focus for me, um, and it like blocked out a lot of the uh, sort of like negative, <laughs> like well, very negative situation that was on the news constantly. That's that's kind of odd because everything of Bloodborne is negative. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's yeah, a but, very dark game. It, yeah, I, I agree. Um, but I, I wrote an article on this that that was on Jump Cut Play, um, and it. It allowed me to sort of like have control over the negativity. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I at least like I can't do anything about uh, COVID, like other than like sit inside. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. So uh, to have sort of like control over the negativity um, and be able to hack it with a saw cleaver. Uh, yeah, it, it was pretty. It's pretty um, therapeutic in a really really weird way, but. Yeah, that's that's my connection to it. Bloodborne is that kind of game where it's like I play when I feel lonely, and it's a very lonely game, but it makes me feel better. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It uh, it's kind of like Resident Evil in that sense. It's like it it it's a negative, spooky experience, but it just makes me feel good. Like I said earlier, I, I when I played this game in 2018, I was going through college and I was super sick, and I had I well I have like a Pavlov's dog thing going on when I was playing it and I was sick I was very cold all the time and I was hungry and I just felt terrible and now when I play it still to this day I get like residual feelings of that like I uh, I feel sick when I play Bloodborne and it's kind of cool but also kind of sucks it's super weird 
those are like the best games where like the the kind of timeline that you played it in always sticks with you like the the kind of world as much as it's terrible that yours is like a sick experience no it's cool like yeah it's funny that it that like the time and the energy that you had around the time when you played it is kind of always there i definitely have quite a few games where that's the case where i just remember how i felt at the time of playing that's like the exact um reason i wanted to come up with the show because so many games that i play now it's like i remember how i felt and the atmosphere of my life at that time i can still feel playing it now you mm-hmm. know what i mean it's nostalgia but it's like atmospheric nostalgia in a sense i always found it really cool what we were saying earlier like how the game is very lonely you know one thing that like always scares the shit out of me is the ghosts in the game like when you're when you put your controller down, but then you see, like, the white ghost of another player, like, run up behind you, I always flip out. I'm always like, what the hell is that? What is in this game now? <laughs> like, because you're always like, okay, I'm safe, and it always just scares the bejesus out of me. <laughs> best boss fight. What is the best? Uh, Miko Lash. Oh, fuck. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, I would say for me, it was father gas coin and the reason being was that was the first time where i felt like i was kind of getting the hang of the game almost like there are really good bosses in the game but i was really kind of struggling with the game until i had beaten him i really felt like i had gotten past this like roadblock in the game mm-hmm. and and from that kind of point on i really felt like yeah i still got held up at bosses but i felt good when i was fighting them i was like okay i think i got this like i can learn from this and stuff after beating him i really felt like i did kind of get good with when you fight like the hunter bosses it's like you're on equal ground like mm. like that's what's so cool about it. yeah it's like a yeah. 1v1 like a the advice i always got is like get to father gascreen and beat him and if you don't like the game after that then drop it cuz like just like you just said so many people once they beat that fight it clicks with them and they're like yo this is dope it really sets the pace for the fighting of the game because he's, you know, he's shooting at you, he's dodging, he's, you, you kind of are both on equal grounds there and mm-hmm. it really sets the speed of the game. And, and also there's like a kind of that funky thing you can do with the music box and stuff like that. It's just got a neat kind of gimmick to it too that really sets the tone of the game. It it teaches you about like using the environment, mm-hmm. uh, using the graves. Like, yeah, using an outside like item like you said with the music box. Um, fighting someone who has like the exact same uh, tools as you and uh, I think you can even summon people for that fight so it's like or you can't summon NPCs but you can summon people to help you so it's a great like it teaches you everything all at once. Casual filter of the game. Yeah yeah yeah. The fact that he became like so consumed with the hunt that he forgot his own family like that's tragic. <laughs> yeah, they would use the music box to draw him back home. Yeah. So he remembers who he yeah. is. But one night his wife went out looking for him and forgot to bring the box. Yeah, that story's pretty sad. I'd say Lady Maria is, is probably my favorite. That is a fun boss fight. Yeah. I would Just say like Gas Queen, it's like it's it's um you know, equal playing ground. You really gotta just fight with what you got and it's like it's like when you drop your weapons and you're like, yo, let's do this man to man just fucking fight each other mm-hmm. she's one of the um, fights that go- like highlights to like how cool and dynamic all the different phases for bosses can be as well where it's like oh yeah when you get to that second point or third point she's going to be very erratic or use different magic like when she starts using blood magic and fire attacks i'm like okay this fight just amped up to a thousand <laughs>
you come to Bloodborne and it's the night of the hunt, like the big last hunt and the night is seemingly never going to end. Like you're stuck in this loop kind of. And as you go through Yarnum, you find out that these beasts that you're hunting, well, they're actually people and they still have like feelings and they're kind of somewhat aware a little bit. And it's the, the same fate that you're going to suffer one day. Like uh, all hunters like eventually become beasts or become sort of blood drunk in a sense. It's it's super cool and <laughs> too hard for me to really wrap my head around in a sense. But I think my uh, favorite boss in the, in the game, I think it it's a weird one because I think I enjoy other bosses more, but um, I have this sense of pride that I've beaten this guy three times and I've done him first uh, like in one go each time and it's uh mark legarius mm. um, yeah oh man I like I, I i kept on seeing reddit posts it's just so much stuff is like mark legarius is one of the hardest bosses loads of people get stuck on him and stuff like that and i've done him first time each time i fought him and i just have this immense sense of pride <laughs> <laughs> um decide that i've done that um and it's such a cool setting you're like on a roof on the roof of Kanaz Castle, and like you get that cool crown after it, you really feel you like get to sit in a seat. <laughs> yeah, that whole yeah, spot's cool because it's, a, it's, it's completely optional too. So like a lot of players probably mm. miss that altogether. Yeah, I think I missed Kanaz. I found it by playthrough. accident mm. on my first playthrough. I just like stumbled upon it when you know the carriage comes, and I was like, "What is this?" Mm. And then I was like, well, "I got to do all this now," because. <laughs> Uh, you know, like you just said, so much of this game is optional. You really have to dig deep to find not only the story and the lore, but just like everything, just, just new items, new places to, to discover uh, how to move forward in the game. Like I remember getting to, um, beating blood starved beast. And I was like, where do I go? <laughs> like, I, I don't understand what to do from here. And it's like, I just got to search until I find something, you know, and I'll turn it to you guys. Like when you first played the game, did you care all about the story? Like, did you, I played with a, with a guide and, and the guy was kind of explaining a lot as I was playing, but even still, I was like, I don't understand this at all. Like I'll, I'll do another playthrough and try and get into it another time. What do For you me, guess? like, like any Souls game I play, I really don't know what's going on until I watch like the bad <laughs> video movies, like the YouTube videos. After, I, I always kind of get the gist of certain things. Like, like in this one, the Garman stuff was kind of obvious what was going on. There were a couple of things like that, but I honestly just swing my fucking weapon and just run through for the first playthrough all the time. <laughs> I never really pay attention to who I'm killing. I think uh, what this game does so well with its story and lore is it it takes that. Uh, story that fantasy storytelling element of like the the good days are gone like everything that important has happened has happened before already like even though the story of lord of the rings is frodo taking the ring to to mount doom it's like all the magical and really cool stuff has happened in the elder days and this is kind of the same right you get to yarnum on the pretty much crescendo of its death like the one of the first things somebody says to you is like the city is done like uh anyone who's left is going to become a beast like nobody is safe on this night and i think it 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 sets a good uh atmosphere for 
going forward in your playthrough? I think for for me, I'm a lot like the rest of the people where I I honestly like first playthrough I went through hack and slash. I honestly didn't really care about like the lore and going out of my way to discover it. Um, I thought the the setting, obviously the backdrop and being kind of like in the middle of this living nightmare was really intriguing. But it wasn't until probably about like halfway that I kind of tilted my head really hard because it's like, okay, cool. Yeah, you have this like really Victorian horror setting, but it's when you kill Rom and then the veil kind of gets like unlifted and then you start learning more about like these great ones and celestial beings. And I was like, what the fuck is actually going on in this game? And that's when I started like kind of deep diving on the lore and kind of seeing like about the different schools of thought um, stuff that you probably really have to dig for in, in game and really like kind of keep the conversation threads between characters like kind of in the back of your mind as you build the world and, and plod through it. But yeah, it was probably towards mm-hmm. the end of my first playthrough and then going to the second one that I'm like, all right, I'm going to read up on everything. I'm going to know it all. <laughs> and it, that learning it definitely like, I think bolstered the experience for me. Like I, the deliberate lack thereof of storytelling and contextual stuff is, is amazing. And the, the crazy thing is you could take or leave it. Like you could play it and just be like, cool, this is a game I bested. Or you can, you know, have this whole like lore drenched experience with it. And I think that's why we're all here, because we really do love the the world that Miyazaki has like kind of put together. Alone by himself. There wasn't anyone else. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, I think uh first playthrough, obviously, like I'm I'm not I'm I'm trying to pay attention as much as possible, but obviously I'm getting like, you know, very vague swaths of story if there are story. Like it'll be a line of dialogue in between boss fights and you're like, I wonder what the hell that means. But yeah, so I got to a habit of like every time I kill something, I go, Okay, who was that? And then like you look back and be like, Oh, okay, yeah, they actually played a really important part to like this whole thing. And I took some fire paper and hit him over the head 15 times until they stopped breathing. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm a part of the story now. <laughs> but yeah, I, it, it definitely has that feeling of like, like you said, Sterling, you're coming onto the scene when all of the most interesting events that could happen to Yarnum already happened. Like you were mm-hmm. picking up the pieces of it, right? You're not even from Yarnum. They keep, they continually call you an outsider and it's hinted that you're from another town or city where the blood plague has hit. But this is like ground zero for the entire world. Whatever's going they on. They got COVID, Europe, man. Exactly. Like it's, a, it's affecting, it's a <laughs> pandemic affecting everyone. They're like, hey, let me go see if I can go figure this out. And then you end up hunting and you're like, okay, well, not what I expected. And now I'm slamming blood vials <laughs> left and right. And, but it is interesting. Like I like it's um, kind of a uh, slow reveal, right? Because like it isn't, cosmic horror in your face it's it's more of Mm -hmm. this like you're walking onto the scene and everything is a question mark in your mind you're running into beast and you can take it away as a very honestly you can take away the beginning hours of that game almost how some players take the whole game which is i'm gonna take it at surface like face value of what's going on and not really dig a little deeper because it's not being openly presented but the moment that you start Mm -hmm. looking a little hard that's when you start seeing things like i don't know uh amidala hanging off the side of a building and going what is that about (laughs) you know and actually finding the answers to these questions is just so much like it's part of the fun of this of this franchise right because you'll never get it in one playthrough you have to play it over and over and over to start to figure out like what means what which is pretty cool i remember my first what the fuck moment was when i killed rom and then i was like you're because you're stuck in that place right and you're like what 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 do i do And, and then you find queen annalise or not Queen Annalise. Queen Yarnum. Queen Yarnum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I was like, why is this lady here, like, in a in a wedding gown? Like, what is going on? And then you get back to the to Yarnum, and, and like you said, all the things are everywhere, and they're crawling on all the buildings, and it's like, dude, this is this is messed up, but I'm here for it. <laughs> um, a, a big thing I got attached to was, even though I didn't understand the story, it was like, I remember meeting Eileen for the first time, and it's like, whoa, there's like characters I could interact with. I thought everyone would be like dead. I thought, um, that everyone you know, was just like only... a voice in a window, a van. Yeah, a van yeah I thought you could only like knock on a door and hear someone talk, you know. Um, and then it's like, oh, there's there's like quest lines and and these NPCs have, have stories and stuff. And I got attached to that first beyond the story. Um, and I know Dark Souls is is kind of similar with characters like that, and they're it's like they're always optional, but they're a very integral to the plot in a sense do you guys like that what was kind of your relationship with the npcs and and who do you like i say i think i saw them very much sort of like in passing uh i thought it was cool that they were there um but i always tend to treat uh npcs in Soulsborne games as just like not set dressing necessarily but like i'm on my own adventure if i bump into you yeah, that's great. I'm gonna I'm gonna have a chat, but I'm not. If I if I never see you again, that is also completely fine. So mm-hmm. uh, I think I I I don't I don't know if a lot of people see it that way, but um, but yeah, no, um, I'm just like yeah, see a bit, guys. <laughs> I think I think to find like finding the character was the element that clicked with me because when you first find Eileen, she's like super tucked away, right? And I was like, whoa, I, I kind of, it's like a little reward for exploring, right? I was like, I find, found this character and you get like a little bit of lore and story from her. And then she shows up again. So I just thought that was cool. Yeah, there's like this. Uh, so some of the NPCs, I agree, they tend to be window dressing. They literally are windows. They're just windows that talk to you sometimes, <laughs> which is half the game. But one of the interesting things that like the game does not telegraph to you at all is that you can talk to somebody some of these window people and after you get to the grand cathedral you can tell them to go back to the chapel and Mm -hmm. i didn't know that was there at all like i just happened to be like backtracking or something the first time i played talk to somebody and then a woman shows up in the middle of this chapel and like just to tell you how fucked up this world is while being like totally just you know in your face about it just going like well Mm -hmm. i don't have much to give you thanks for saving me you want some blood (laughs) <laughs> it's like wait what are you are you joking and she's like no 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 just take some of my blood she gives you what like a stick with like a rag on it and yep. goes like this is good for you <laughs> this is good for fights <laughs> and I'm like I don't know what town that I ended up in and and like that's not even the end of it that's a bizarre interaction right that like for some reason the, the game grants you if you really tug at that right but you go mm-hmm. back and eventually doesn't isn't she how you get one of the umbilical cords like yeah. after after you kill Rom like she just kind of like keeled over going like yeah sorry about this governor <laughs> there's a fucking umbilical cord that you can get <laughs> what i'm feeling so thing. good today yeah what a weird <laughs> interaction but it's like all these people are like they're doomed right the game tries to tell you like left right and center these people are doomed no matter what so you can like have a little interaction with them but at the end of the day you're gonna either a pig is gonna kill them or they're gonna give birth to a great one it's gonna happen sorry <laughs> 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 which is cool I appreciate how some of, like, the NPCs, though, are your buy-in to, like, a lot of the, the factions of the world, whether it's, like, the Vile Bloods yeah. or the Old Church or, you know, the Scholars, and it's it's interesting to see kind of, like, 
you know, for a world that's very much lost to the, the hunt and the decay of everything that's happened, you have these people who are still fighting for their own causes, and it's really interesting, because yeah. they could have given up or gone mad like anybody else. But... And they, and by all accounts, like, each of the people that you meet, like Alfred, for yeah. instance, are, like, the last of the, either their church or their coven or what have you, mm -hmm. and they're just still doing it, Yeah, right? It, it's because everyone's trapped in the dream as you are. <laughs> it makes me it's such an interesting concept like the one thing that i always ask while playing this game is that it's the night of the hunt but it seems like the night of the hunt's been going on for years <laughs> like people don't know anything past the night of the hunt they might have like a, an understanding of what Yarnum used to be but it, it's such a weird cognizant thing is when you figure out that wow the way that um queen Yarnum shows up it's just her consciousness just stuck in here is that me <laughs> and like those questions just like you know kind of amount to the ending too where the ending like you have to walk away with what you think you understand of it right mm -hmm. which is the craziest thing not to jump too far ahead <laughs> but i i love it uh going off what you said like the the girl who gives you her blood one of the small details i like is is one of the other girls you can bring to the cathedral doesn't like her and doesn't like that you take her blood so every <laughs> time you talk to her if you if you pay pay attention to her, she'll look over to you when you're talking, and she'll like kind of scowl a bit. I didn't see that. And at all. I, it, oh man, I'll send you the video. It's super cool. Is there not a consequence too if you use the blood too many times or something yeah. like that? Like, yeah. yeah, you can't get the uh, umbilical cord from her, and like if you go over to the the one that doesn't like you talking to the woman. Um, her her gloves are normally white, and when you go over to her when she's when she's dead, uh, her gloves are all red and bloody. Like she's she's killed her. Jesus. So. But I, I I had that click too of like it was I thought it was super cool you could bring people to the chapel, and then as the you know the hunt and the night continues, it's like they too fall to the scourge of the beast, and you know they they um mosey on out of the cathedral and one of them dies or like they kill each other it, it was super cool but sorry i keep interrupting you guys go ahead no that i agree i think it makes the world again kind of like you guys were saying like i found the the npcs i don't really care much my first time going through but stuff like that where you're like trying to tell people to go to this safe place during the middle of the hunt and then like they you know your choices kind of affect what happens them later it makes the world feel a lot more lived in than a lot of the other souls games um even if it's vague like it just kind of gives that feeling like you are affecting the world where some of them a lot of the times you're just going through and swinging at things and you don't really feel the change but that that one is a lot more narrative i found than a lot of the other kind of side quests that you find in souls games like True. in the first dark souls solaire like you you have no clue what's going on you kind of just summon them place to place <laughs> show up and save them from the worms and then that's it but if you didn't know that you have no clue but with this one you have like menu options to send people back to the place and stuff it's a little more guided which is kind of interesting it like you said like yarnum feels lived in which is weird because it's like on the precipice of death right yeah it's like but, a dead lost cause but it does you feel the people that are still fighting for it and stuff yeah it's it's like in a in a way sending people to the safe haven it's like it kind of feels like desperation it's like i i want someone to survive like we are if you know i want to have this safe haven for people but like in the end it's it still fails it's so 
dark but good. <laughs> yeah, and, and if you send them, you know, to the to the clinic, they can they can turn into the squishy brain guys, <laughs> soft brain dudes. That part's really screwed up too. The uh, the clinic uh, from the start where the girl initially was the one person, but then you find out that someone's like like an imposter's come in and is pretending to be her, and you get the mm -hmm. umbilical cord from her. That that was another really wacky narrative part. That one was kind of where I got kind of interested in what was going on. It's just they start throwing like aliens and umbilical cords at you and stuff, and it gets so out control out of control. But it it, it fits right. Like it never. Yeah. Um, like, let's take Resident Evil 8 for, for, or Village, for example. Like, I, I know we've talked about it a bit, but I find the kind of werewolf and witchy stuff a little out of left field, even though Resident Evil is completely left field, and it's yeah. like, but with Bloodborne, the, the, the Lovecraftian stuff and the, the sort of extraterrestrial stuff, it's like, it fits in a way. I was just going to say, actually, too, like, very Lovecraftian. And the, the whole, like, mechanic with insight and the fact that, like, the more you see, the more it fucks your brain up. The more, like, <laughs> you, you kind of, like, traumatizes people and stuff because it's it's some really screwed up, gory shit that you're seeing in these, like, beings that are beyond human comprehension that just screw your mind up and make you see more and things like that. Like, yeah, it, it's very interesting in that sense. Let's get into the design of the game because in a sense the story and the way the game is designed is kind of parallel like like we've said that this the plot is non-chronological it's not told to you in a cohesive sense it um they you know they plop stuff all around and you have to pick it up and and yarn them and the way it's laid out is kind of the same it's like people live here like what streets lead to nothing things loop around like the the architecture and the layout just doesn't make sense and i feel like that's it's like is is this so good that it's intentional or like is it is it just complete randomness you know what i mean it um uh, that's just britain i sort of say that in like a jokey way but also like does it if you go to sort of like historical towns in England and stuff like that, there's a there's a lot of like just weird like little streets that just go to like nowhere that just mm -hmm. they'll just like link round and it's just like there's no point in it being there. So like walking around Yarnum is not too it's 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 alien. It's still weird, but like it, I, I see where they're coming from. <laughs> A little bit. Are you saying Miyazaki made Britain? Is that what uh, you're trying to... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Britain has top-tier level design. <laughs> Great enemy yeah. placement in Britain. Get real meta. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I definitely... I, I see I see the similarities. Um, probably more so than, than you guys, but... Um... Do, do you find that weird, though? Like, is it, is it kind of yeah. like... Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's really, really, really creepy. Um, I mean, I'm making this sound like Yarnum is literally in Britain, but, like, there, <laughs> there, there are similarities um, in almost every city. Like, the city I live in, it's... I don't want to say it's a newer city, but it's had a lot of, like, work done. Um, but there's still these weird sort of, like, little little alleyways and little cobbled streets and stuff like that and then particularly mm -hmm. uh, in this place called York um, uh, 
that's very apparent um, with sort of like big looming, big looming old buildings um, that sort of like run alongside tiny little cobbled streets, and it's very, it's very Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> it, it is. It, well, literally, there's one place called the Shambles, and it looks like a, it looks like a street from Harry Potter. Um, but we won't talk about that. Um, so yeah, no, it's 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 really odd. It is really odd. Um, I th- Nate, you've been to the UK, haven't you? Yeah, I, I went to London when I was younger. Actually, I, I I think it's just funny. Yeah, like one thing that's really interesting um, about European architecture is that they preserve a lot of that old style. And like you said, it's so fascinating. Like these cobblestone streets and these just really interesting places that really do kind of bloodborne does capture that in a way i went a long time ago and i honestly like i remember being like near big ben in downtown london but i was young i had no clue where we were but it was (laughs) we definitely did see a couple streets that really do kind of have that old look to them that old stony almost castly look to them i guess i'm not even really sure the word when when i went we did this big nighttime tour and it was it was very bloodborne. It was like we were going through these very narrow alleyways. They were kind of grungy, like late at night, and we were doing a um, like a Jack the Ripper tour. Oh, that's this, awesome! Like, yeah, this this guy there. sites and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, and he was oh. just like, he was just dropping the fat lore on Jack the Ripper, <laughs> 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 and people yelled at us for some like. Like literally, people would walk by and get mad at the tour guide because he was like blocking their way or something. It was really <laughs> odd. I don't know. But yeah, it was, it was very bloodborne, and, and you know, Harry's like going in all this detail describing. It's like <laughs> I I feel it. Like I you know, if you've been there, you definitely have that sense of, whoa, this is like kind of you know, obviously Yarnum's not a real place, but you feel a little at home in a sense. It's it's um. I think I think it's the whole thing of like because obviously uh, we'll talk about preservation of stuff um, which yeah particularly happens in in England and it's it's just the feeling that this is from a completely other time mm-hmm. and uh, I get that like Yarnum could be could be in the past and it could be in the future with all the weird spacey alien stuff um, <laughs> and it, yeah it's it's just. It's just so odd to walk around the streets of like York. I'll go on about York a little bit more. Um, it's got loads of loads and loads and loads of ghost tours. It's like a really haunted place because it's like so old. Um, so that's really that really embellishes the the story around every corner sort of feeling of Bloodborne, um, especially like the early bits of Yarnum um, where you're talking to windows and stuff like that um, that you feel like. Every window has a story. I know it sounds stupid, and that sounds really cliche. Um, <laughs> well, well, that's that's like what Bloodborne is, right? It's like every item placement, every little drop of lore you find, it's like this is here for a reason. Like there's some kind of story here about something. Yeah, it's all so very th- like purposeful. I know, mm-hmm. obviously, it is purposeful, and like these items weren't like dropped in randomly, but it does feel like you're meant to find these when you find them. Do you guys, to me, like the opening, like, let's say hour, like we've, I guess I'm kind of answering my own question. Like even that first street of Yarnum, it's like, it's so memorable. Like every, 
I feel like every part of this game, even the parts I don't like, like the Witches of Hemlock and stuff like that, it's like it's still so ingrained in my memory. Maybe it's because I've played it like ten times. Are you guys kind of the same way? For me, it's the first half of the game, especially, that I, I very much remember. It's because I watched my roommate play it the first time, and then I played it. And also just because I suck so bad that I played the first bit for so much longer than the second kind of half. Mm-hmm. So all the kind of, like, windy streets of Yarnum and stuff like that are are just kind of ingrained into my memory. The second half, not so much. Like, I, I was just kind of running and trying to survive and just killing things for the second half. By that point, I was in the zone by then. But the first half was me just kind of looking at every window to see if there was an NPC behind it and stuff like that. So it really kind of burned into my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm very similar. I think there are ladder sections, like when you go to the jail or when you go to like the nightmare frontier, where it fucks with like some of my pacing of the world and how to get through it. Where it's like, I feel like some of those initial streets of like central and old Yarnum, like because you do it so many times and you get that kind of like metroidvania loop of like okay cool i unlocked a shortcut here and here you internalize a lot of those steps but then there are those paths that are like a lot less like frequently walked for me that like throw me for a loop every time like it always takes me a really long time to remember how to get back to like uh what is it dark beast pearl Mm -hmm. where it's like i never Mm -hmm. quite know how to do that first go (laughs) yeah for sure I think one of the more memorable parts for me too, like we're talking, like yeah, that all the first half I think strikes harder just because it, it's a little bit of a slower pace, a little bit of a slower like unveiling, and then most of the stuff towards the end of the game is more enclosed spaces where you're just taking out like bosses or what have you. But Old Yarnum is one of my favorite places. Just the concept behind this town within a town that has been abandoned because it's been burnt down. The plague got so the bad there kegs. that they just had to burn it down. And at this point, the healing church, I believe, was trying to hide from the citizens that the hunt was a thing. That's why the hunters would hunt at night. They they didn't want everyone to get into a panic about the fact that people are turning into beasts and we can't control this blood. And maybe it's our fault because we love blood so much. But this town got out of control and they set it on fire. And there's just that one hunter chilling there going like, just leave. <laughs> like, don't even show up. Like, the moment that you, <laughs> you show up. You don't even need to be here. Yeah, it's like, if you take another step, I'm I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to shoot you Please with my Please don't be here. Yeah, there, there's no history here worth understanding, is basically what it is. And that's such a, like, just a bold thing about it, where it's like, don't even explore this. Like, everything to do with Yarnum is awful from mm-hmm. start to finish. Hell, one of the first characters near the first lantern says that. Mm-hmm. One of the Windows guys says that there's nothing here worth learning. <laughs> like, just go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I really love it. It's a big mood. <laughs> it really just goes into that theme of, like, you know, is there a point to this? Like, is 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 the hunt really ever going to end? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it plays into, like, where they're so used to seeing hunters. Like, it's been endless hunters. In fact, if you go to the Hunter's Dream, all those gravestones are hinted as other hunters doing exactly as you did, going on the night mm-hmm. of the hunt and living through the cycle over and over again. There's, like, a kind of a despair. And yet, you, the p- player character, end up being... Um, even though the game goes out of its way to tell you you are not the chosen one, you are not important, you're nothing, you're the one that ends up killing the most great ones and bosses mm-hmm. and, and basically <laughs> connecting the mystery of Yardum all together. And then at the end, you're like, I'm going to be a slug. <laughs> and there you go. Perfect ending. <laughs> uh, let's get into the DLC because what, what a DLC it is. And I know, um, Daniel, you kind of share the same thought process as me as like this is pretty much the best dlc ever like it's just 
how do you match something this good right it's it's honestly like i i love a lot about the main campaign but i think that the dlc trumps it all for me for whatever reason because it's really just like tight each area you go to is really unique the pacing is excellent and then kind of like the inversion of yarnum there in this hunter's nightmare is like really interesting to see like you kind of walking through the church where like you once fought amelia and then there's like these like amygdalan like armor knights kind of watching over the main hall and then that's where you fight like i think it's lawrence right um and that fight like feels like totally unique in that location as well but just kind of the pacing of going through that area and kind of finding out what happened to everybody who was trapped there um in that that nightmare um and then finding out what happened at the the fishing hamlet as well it's just like it's such a tragic story Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. the just kind of escalation of, of it all kind of leading to this point where it's like well people came here uh they were you know abusing uh the people they were abusing the blood they found a great one that they wanted to exploit for their own uses you know much like the scholars of bergenworth did and it it went haywire real fast and it's interesting to see like some of the well the, the i guess she's not living but seeing maria and like kind of like her interactions with you and how it kind of puts a lot of that dlc into perspective it's it's fascinating and it has like some of my favorite fights in the entire entire game um, I think, like, that... I corded my, like, fights off into three sections where it's, like, mob bosses, beasts, and hunter fights, like, one-on-one hunter fights. And I think the, mm-hmm. the beast-type fights, whether it's, you know, Ludwig or uh, Lawrence, amazing. Or if it's, like, the one-on-one fights, whether it's Maria or Cause, it's, like, no no fights test you in, in quite the same way, I think, uh, mm-hmm. than, than the DLC does. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a gauntlet. <laughs> yeah. It's totally a gauntlet. Even though so many lines in this game are so badass, like my absolute favorite is when you go to inspect Maria's corpse and she's like, a corpse should be well left alone. Like just the way she like grabs you and like gets in your face. It's like creepy, but like badass at the same time. I love it. Hmm. Um, maybe you guys can explain this a bit better just because I'm, I'm kind of dumb. The when you get in the DLC, it's like continuously hinted at. There's a secret. Like you came here to find the secret. The secret is that the church like abused the the citizens of the fishing hamlet. Is that what it is, or is it that like he, is it just that the nightmare exists in a sense? Like explain. I think, I think it's all of that, and then the fact that there is a great one that happened to kind of just wash up. And, and drew a lot of people to it but I think it's probably a lot more deep than that <laughs> that's the thing about this game man you learn something new every, like anytime you talk about it or play it it's so cool back in the day I didn't know what, what it meant to be like Lovecraftian in a sense that it was like this this alien like horror but then once I got to the fishing hamlet that's when it clicked for me I was like this feels Lovecraftian like the this feels out of this world and gross and cosmic and and just like kind of like you, sorry al- go ahead Nate. it almost reminded me of like a junji ito uh comic where like like something just kind of washes up on this beach and it's beyond human understanding and it, it's just <laughs> just disturbing just the whole idea around it it's not really like straightforward just the whole kind of context is unnerving and stuff about it mm-hmm. yeah there's the- like 
Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say the fact that, like, Cause is basically just a a newborn, like an orphan at that point. So, like, Like the orphan of Cause. Cause is its. Yeah, that's how I should say. Yeah, the orphan. So, like, a lot of the ways it attacks you, it's like it's blind, it's attacking out of fear. Like, it doesn't know what's happening, which is, it's plays into a lot of, like, the erratic movements and transformations in the later phases. And I think that's that visual storytelling of being like, oh, this is something that was just kind of left behind. This is how its fight translates, is, is really cool to see. Isn't it strongly hinted that that like the healing church using the blood of the orphan of Cosm is what sparked the nightmare? Like that's the secret of the fishing hamlet. Wasn't that what they were saying? Because like something disgusted Maria so much that she threw her weapon, her famed weapon, into a well mm-hmm. and decided she wouldn't want to be a part of it anymore. Whatever they did in that town. I think that's right, isn't yeah. it? That the DLC exemplifies what you said, though. Uh, Kevin even more is like the design feels so even more methodical in a sense like even uh, when you fight is it Lawrence like the big horse guy it's Ludwig uh, isn't it yeah Ludwig Ludwig, Ludwig. Yeah, yeah yeah Lud- yeah sorry Ludwig two two L's <laughs> and and you know it's it said that a lot of the people of Yarnum turn into these dog-like beasts because they merge. They merged with like their domesticated dogs, but Ludwig was like such a baller that he was like rode a horse, mm. and that when he turned, he like merged in with his horse and stuff. And ah, that's so disgusting but cool. Like it, it's it's so methodical, and I love it. It's, it's the one of the main reasons the atmosphere of this game is so tight because to me atmosphere is like all of the game's mechanics complement each other the themes of the story the design the soundtracks and themes like it they all blend together to make this coherent image that also like again i know it it, obviously miyazaki is not the only one who made this game but it's like it feels like one vision one person's vision and it feels like they were uncompromised and confident in that vision. You know what I mean? I like do you guys have a different description for atmosphere cuz that's how I kind of explain it. It's interesting too cuz like Miyazaki, I I and I, I might be misquoting or missaying a lot of this, but like how he came to like really understand English was through like Lovecraft's texts. So how he came to like interpret like Eldritch horrors and, you know, nightmare escapes and i guess some of maybe even the settings and writings of lovecraft being like set in like new england colonies and these sort of like victorian settings it's interesting to see how he kind of funneled all that into this very nightmarish vision that is like you said it's very atmospheric it's very deliberate and um i I think if he had pulled from any other sources we we wouldn't have gotten it the same way which is interesting Mm -hmm. but it's it's interesting to see how other creators and cultures interpret people's work and then they're and make their own as a result i guess a big thing is like how does bloodborne make you guys feel in a sense to me it's it's lonely but it's i feel at home in a sense i know uh like harry said i'm in control i know what i'm capable of and i know what i'm up against what do you guys kind of feel mine's kind of feel similar blood to that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I regret I asked. We're done. It's over. 
<laughs> just Sorry, go ahead, like man. loneliness and, and then the other thing too is satisfying like when i when i beat a boss in bloodborne i genuinely feel good at video games it's it's not it, it's just there's something about like the 50 tries and then on that last one you have no blood vials and you manage to get that swing in and you just when you see those words kind of across the screen it's with any soulsborne game really you just feel genuinely like you're good at this game or any game really or like you could beat any real challenging game because of it. It's got this really good feeling behind it. But in between when you're just running around all alone and there's all these werewolf people swinging pitchforks and torches at you and stuff. It it really is kind of lonely and isolating. It's got that, that feeling to it. It's um, because like, you know, I've been kind of walking you guys through the playthrough I've been doing. And, and I was saying it's like, man, I just blasted through... Uh, cleric beast and gas queen but then um i got to the the shadows of yarnum boss fight and like going into it i was you know i i'm not gonna lie had that big dick energy i was like i got this this is no problem <laughs> immediately got wrecked like the game humbled me so quickly and i just i love that because like a it, i feel at home and i feel confident but it's like the game will always just check you it'll clap back man you know what i mean what about you what about you harry like because you have a kind of new outlook or newer outlook on it mm. uh yeah no i think the first the first time i played through it um it's it's scary it's not nice like i didn't know like i don't know if i was more scared of the world or i was more scared of am i going to get stuck on the next boss uh, mm. <laughs> but no i i think i I understand that loneliness completely, um, which, like, yeah, I, I got that as well. Um, but I, I also got that it's it's weirdly, I don't want to say comforting, but... But it is! It is, know, like, it comforting is, it is, in a isn't sense. It? it is, and it's, and, and it's a game that you can just so easily fall back into. Um, like, I've, I've played it today um, after months of not playing it at all. And you just fall back into the world. And it's just so mm-hmm. easy. And it's just so, like, well fleshed out. And, like, I'm, go- I'm going to sidetrack to Sekiro a little bit. With Sekiro, which I very recently planned, like, last week, um, I never got the flow of the various locations like I got with Bloodborne. Mm-hmm. I always felt, to me a bit more disjointed, a bit more like, oh, I've got to go here now, but there's no way I'm going to be able to get there. I've played, I played through the game three times, and even on my third playthrough, it was like, oh, I'll go to this place, and I'm like, I'm going to have to like look up a YouTube walkthrough, because I can't even get to that place. Bloodborne, I can leave for months and go back to, and just be like, oh, yeah, that, that's... I've just got to go to Bergenworth. This is where Rom is. This is where... You know what I mean? It's just so simple and comfortable and so yeah so well fleshed out um homely yeah i'm gonna go with homely i'm gonna gonna (laughs) state my claim homely (laughs) because you know the games are so dissectable in a sense like you you really you know for me it's like i try to find every item i try to get all the weapons and and level up and and uh even though i've yet to do all the chalice dungeons it's like i i know Bloodborne. I know it through and through. If I, I remember I said uh, at the very beginning, it's like even though 
you've like I've played it and I when I was playing it earlier the the boss fight themes like ramp up and it's like every muscle in my body is flexing right now and I'm terrified. Do you guys get that same sense or is it like no nah, I got this it's fine. Like just stay calm. Yeah, no matter that's, how many that's times the, you play that's it. the most disgusting design I think out of the entire game. Even like Abritus, like Bloodstar Beast is because it's so close to something you could recognize, but it's so far mm. from anything you'd want to ever see. <laughs> it's just disgusting. But like Abritus is like I'm never going to come across that. But Bloodstar Beast, mm. like I can imagine coming across that in one of one of our British alleyways. <laughs> What the hell are you guys smoking over there? <laughs> <laughs> My you know God, what I mean. you know what I mean? Like it's sort of like um, it's uncanny it's valley. Proper, yeah, it's like a fucked dog. You know what I mean? Like it's not <laughs> nice. <laughs> but like a Britus is just like a mess of like tentacles and like a mouth. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah. Whenever somebody asks me to describe Bloodborne now, I'm just gonna say a fucked dog. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, um, let's let's dive into the the chalice dungeons a little bit because you guys are definitely much more weathered and and a veteran of the chalice dungeons than I am. It's it's how would you describe? They're like procedurally generated, right? They're like these dungeons you can explore for items and and get a couple of unique things. Like it's basically Bloodborne without any of the good design. That is the chalice <laughs> for sure, through and through. And honestly, that's what it is. It it is um, it feels like they release something that is most of the way finished, but it doesn't feel quite finished. Like there's something that could have really pieced it together to make it like a really substantial and integral part of Bloodborne, but it just feels so like to the left of everything that we love about Bloodborne, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, which is sad because there's actually really cool boss encounters in these chalice dungeons. Like you, you run into bosses that you don't meet in the main game whatsoever. Um, and they put up a good challenge themselves. Hell, you even fight Queen Yarnum at a certain point. So there, there's definitely like, if you're a fan of Bloodborne, there's good reason to go in there. It's just so unfortunate. It's such a punishing way to kind of like, um, well, for most people end the game because they'll, they'll go to chalice dungeons like the last thing they do. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's, it's a little procedurally generated. Um, most of the rooms you go through, you're basically climbing ladders and pulling levers and opening doors. That's the whole thing. That, that's all it is. It, but, it's classic style dungeon crawling, right? <laughs> what is the, like, what is the point? Like, what is the incentive to do it in the end? Yeah. The really end, just getting it, more of the combat, maybe just, mm-hmm. you know, there's weapons and bosses, but just more mm-hmm. Bloodborne without the design, without the just pumping through enemies maybe Something yeah like without that. the intention it was like their version of a horde mode but just yeah, not done yeah. right yeah it's it's more gameplay for the sake of gameplay that's it <laughs> it's just for the platinum isn't it really like mm-hmm. it's just <laughs> yeah. like come on we've got to give them something else right but, yeah i think that's it but there's like certain seeds of like certain dungeons that do different things because you know there's a certain dungeon that huh like is it <laughs> Is there still stuff like that to discover in the game? I think so. I mean, people are still discovering, like, new inner dungeons to this day, finding, like, bosses that were just, like, left out of Final Code and, like, all this other stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, I think it's been a while since I've done it, but I know a lot of them are, like, password inputted and based off of a combination of things you put in to access whatever initial dungeon point. So it's it's interesting that, like, players can definitely 
walk a different path through it than the, the next would. Um, that's definitely a section I had to use a guide for because I'm like, I don't understand this order of operations. But it was worth it outside of like the one in a bash my head in parts. I think like some of the the fights are <laughs> really cool. And the fact that like you're basically walking through like what was the oldest version of Yarnum and then like New Yarnum got built on top of it. So like it's there's a lot of lore there, um, especially with Queen Yarnum and all that. And I think it's it's fascinating. I wish they would have definitely like fleshed it out a bit more and, and given players a reason to dive into it in a more forefront way. But like I get it. <laughs> Yeah. For uh, me, it's like, just the, the grinding. I didn't want to, like, grind to get items to do more, in a sense, I guess. Sorry, you're saying. Yeah, I, 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 get the, I get the point behind them, and I think the the sort of, like, exclusive boss fights work really well. But then when you're coming up against Rom in a room that's <laughs> way too small for him, <laughs> it's just that, that's, it's just, like... They've just put it there to mm. waste your time. You know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm completely fine with a challenging boss. Um, like, is it the watchdog of watchdog of the the big flaming dog? Um, yeah. Like yeah. the that's first time you face him, it's like, oh yeah, that's that's nice and easy. And then the second time you face him, is such a it's such a ball ache. But like, <laughs> at least it's something new. You know what I mean? At least like mm. I've not fought this guy in a better designed arena earlier in the game so yeah like the amidala fight in the chalice dungeon is the worst that's oh, the that's that the is the hardest fight in the game for me <laughs> like i'll say yeah. it like the amid the second time because the first time you fight amidala it's not that bad it's fine it's just a big boss whatever the second time you fight him is like you have to learn every single one of its moves because every single one of its moves could either take out like half or more of your health it's it's ridiculous it's painful but here's something I didn't even really understand about the Chalice Dungeons. I'm looking at the, what do you call this, the Bloodborne wiki. Uh, chalice Dungeons in Bloodborne are vast underground ruins. Da -da 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 -da. Nope, here. Root Chalice Dungeons are procedurally generated, whereas other Chalice Dungeons are fixed in structure. Although the dungeon's layout changes with each ritual performed, each layout is saved and can even be uploaded and shared with friends of the world. I didn't know that. I didn't know that you could be like, hey, I like this one, save and upload it. Interesting. That's weird. They they have all these like mechanics, like they thought this was a thing, and it just feels like the game came out before it was done, or that they never went back and really like fixed up what the cha Chalice Dungeons like were supposed to be. Because it sounds like I'm hearing some like end game content is what this was supposed to be, right? Yeah, Where it's like they think yeah. people were gonna co op it and like continue to do this past the the campaign, and that's not what happened. Only like a small percentage of very fervent like uh, Bloodborne community members are still stuck in the dungeons <laughs> you know doing their cartography and whatnot while the rest of us are like well anyway the dlc's awesome <laughs> so the the way i you know found out about you know there's a way to fix these things and, and certain dungeons do different things is the the other night i was playing and i got stuck on a boss and i was like oh i i need to get a lot of of um blood so i can buy some more vials and, and get some more things for this boss fight and jeremy hit me up and he's like have you tried the cum dungeon and i was like <laughs> excuse me good sir what did you just <laughs> and he sends me a link to kotaku article that was like some uh you know veteran hunters have found this dungeon that 
uh, as soon as you enter it, an enemy gets killed somewhere far off in the dungeon, and you get like eighty thousand blood blood um, echoes or whatever they're called from it, and the seed like the name of the dungeon is C U M M like P F T or something. So it's like it just says come, and I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Can't call it anything else. It really just... It's like, huh, I guess I'll go in this dungeon. I feel kind of gross, but... All I can say is... Probably the one thing I want is just a sequel from this game. Mm. What What would you guys want from a sequel? Like, what could you see them doing... Either story-wise or improving mechanics? Like, what do you think? Just the idea of a prequel that takes place not... Like, like a little ways into the hunt almost or something like that that kind of builds more on the factions and things like that i, I can see something like that mm-hmm. i like the thought with It'd be that cool if of like, if um God, really... it was a sequel but you went to like where the hunter is from and like it's like the, the uh you know the blood scourge is like it's the episode like it's going on right then you you get to really see the true effect of it, not like the sort of after effect that Yarnum has in a sense that everything's already dead and gone. Everything's already happened. Like we said, it's like, I want to see everything happening. And if it was a sequel, that's what I'd like, but I saw like a prequel of being there in the, in the, the good old days of Yarnum would also be cool in a sense. Sorry, go ahead, Kev. Oh, I was going to say for the prequel bent, like there, I think there's two cool ways you can handle it. Like either, okay, you're like an early student of Gearman and maybe you fight alongside like Maria, you can summon her as like an NPC going through like the initial days of the hunt. Or if you wanted to lean more into like class-based stuff, like instead of being at like, oh, we're going to do weapons-based classes here, you could maybe have a build where it's like, oh, I'm a character who is from the Healing Church or I'm a character who's from like Bergenworth. And you could have different builds that are kind of fleshed out based off of that. Could be neat. That'd be cool. I would do the thing did, did, that people hate, which is I would remove it a thousand years <laughs> from it, from the continuity whatsoever. They're like, no, but what about German? What about this? Like, no, they're they're all fucking gone. Because I feel like this <laughs> the story is like perfect by itself, right? Like, I think um, we even do have supplemental uh, supplemental like comics and stuff like that to like kind of you know dive in characters like Eileen the Crow. But I Bloodborne's one of those oddities where if you told me. It's like, I want a sequel more than anything, but if you told me it's never going to get one, I'd be like, yep, that makes sense. Because it's such a complete game. Something special about the name just being Bloodborne, and it's like a standalone thing. Right. Like, Bloodborne is is monolithic at this point. Bloodborne is Mm -hmm. the thing. Um, So to do a part two, I would feel like you need to give me something wildly different. Like, I would be like, hey, set it like like Dark Souls 2 style, set it like a thousand years away from the uh, first game. And just just give me a new story that evolves and like kind of evokes the same feelings because I feel like I I don't know how I would feel like let, Return the Yarnum would feel mm. right. It's like oh here's all these sides of Yarnum you just happen to not uh, roll into <laughs> I guess <laughs> you know it's like nah I like the idea of also setting it in the the hunter's hometown like what's happening there um, but it, it seems like uh, we we hit like a max limit with like the whole world revolves around Yarnum. Like, that's, like, my understanding of Bloodborne right now. So it's, like, you kind of pigeon your whole, hole yourself a little bit when you want to do, like, other towns and cities and whatnot. I wonder how that would work. Maybe that's why it hasn't happened. I don't know. <laughs> what about this? Bear with me now. Yep. Uh, you've, you've defeated German. You're, you're in the wheelchair. And the sequel is you just occasionally talking 
for the next hunter <laughs> for about seven hours and then at the end of it you have to try and defeat him <laughs> and that's it press r1 a, to recommend a, it's a horrible Kojima things game as well <laughs> yeah it's it's by kojima there's a bit of a walking walking simulator aspect to it yeah. and uh, if you ask about the doll you get bonus points <laughs> it's a new type of strand game <laughs> i remember um because uh garman's like in the little garden you know he's he's doing his little garden thing sometimes when you go into into the dream and and it's at a certain point where you kind of catch him off guard and he's like crying and sniveling to himself that he's like trapped mm. i it was that rare moment where it's like I was heartbroken for a character. It's like, damn, this is, this is sad. This is, I didn't understand his character or real, the point of him until that moment that it's like, oh, he is being kept here against his will, and that's like, that's cool. <laughs> what did you say? He says unshackle me or something like something just like yeah. really sad like that. He yeah, he's like waiting for Lawrence and Willem to to come and save him, but it's like. yeah there's there's a theme here with that concept too where like it reminds me of the fishing hamlet where while these great beings have come down and they rain nothing but terror on us a lot of times these great ones are actually completely blasé about humanity They, they have no feelings one way or another in the same way that we wouldn't have any feelings toward what an ant thinks when we show up right and there's a moment of like they're it's not just thing tragic things are happening to these characters it's also that they've chosen to walk these paths Garman, for instance is the one who called forth the moon presence that has trapped everyone in the hunter's dream he did that because whatever fallout that he had with willem and the other character uh, lawrence drove him to what he's doing now and yet He's filled with nothing but remorse and regret. There's this kind of cycle throughout Bloodborne of characters very deliberately choosing these actions, whether they're compelled or otherwise, and then immediately getting stuck in their own regret, like Lady Maria, which is such a sad like kind of theme that courses throughout Bloodborne. It's like, we choose to be here, but now we have to suffer it. Well, that's kind of like the theme of the DLC, isn't it? It's like, you are... The hunters are stuck here for their misdeeds. Like, this is your mm-hmm. punishment. Even if you think you were doing the right thing, it's like it, it was not in the end. Right. It's it. It's very um, sombering in a sense. It's like is is this what my character's fate is in the end? Like, am I just going to be stuck? Am I even doing the right thing? Hmm. Is is there a point to uncovering the secrets? It's funny you were asking well, like what what the game makes us feel and like it makes me feel a lot of things obviously positive and, and triumphant but it makes me feel like this ever permeating sense of futility mm-hmm. that everything is going to happen this way everybody is damned to their courses even if you help somebody they're probably going to die and it's cyclical and it's sad and it's <laughs> I I can't really like think my way out of it as as a player character or as a person where it's just like yeah all these people were predestined to just end up in in their ultimate demise and it's it's compelling but it's also very depressing to think about. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the the concept of a time loop without it being a time loop, right? It's like these people are stuck and mm-hmm. you can't really save them. And until the very end depending on what you do in the end and what ending you get it's like you don't even get to see the the sort of, not consequences, but what happens because of your actions, right? The game just kind of ends and that's it. Like, there really is no happy ending for anything or anyone. Even 
like regardless of what you do in the end it's kind of again very sombering like it, it's it's one of those things where there is nothing happy but it makes me feel happy <laughs> i like playing <laughs> uh do we have any closing thoughts things you guys want to mention talk about that i haven't really brought up always ever been blood horny before <laughs> <laughs> god damn that's, 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 that's not normal <laughs> all right all right <laughs> Uh, what was everybody's builds like? Like, what were your starting weapons, and what did you kind of pick up along the way, or did you guys kind of commit to like the starting weapons through and through? Because like, I feel like that's how I'll, I always play, where I like I just stick with my axe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I just stick with uh, sword cleaver and strength, health, strength, health, strength, health. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all the way through like that, um, which is the plan for most of my Soulsborne games. But yeah, I enjoyed it, and it worked. Um, so, yeah. Man, the Hunter Axe is just so good. Like, that crazy range, man. And the whole, like, the whole, like, you know, going around town move where you just do the big spin <laughs> is so good. But, like, I've. Uh, have you guys ever done, like, magic or arcane in this game? I've never even touched it. We never even really thought about do that. it. No. Do you, do you think like Bloodborne should have a tutorial system in a way for that stuff, or because there is no explanation for any of the more intricate mechanics? Hmm. Like I, I still don't even, th I, I don't understand what upgrading arcane even does. You know what I mean? I don't, what? I don't, I, I think, I don't think it does need a tutorial because I really don't think it impacts the game that much. And I think that might be a, a pretty well, it's a big downfall really of it mm. um that it's there but you can go through the entire game and not touch it once and that's not like the freedom of, of choice because i think if you do go on to it as um as we've already spoken about uh you just end up going back to <laughs> old reliable um by <laughs> like just smashing things into the ground i feel like the game kind of shoehorn like kind of funnels you into always the same playstyle in a sense but like, that's that's just probably coming from a person who doesn't understand the mechanics all that well even I've, though i've played it like 10 times i've but. never really been able to get into like a magic build in any souls game i've, I've always kind of picked pyromancer to get the opening pyromancy and the pyromancy flame in like the first dark souls but i never mm. ever have done a build that focused on magic ever once i don't think and this Does game it... really there isn't much to it like you're saying there really is just a small kind of part of the game but you're better off just smashing people's faces in with the side of your sword half the time mm -hmm. that big old blocky Kirk Hammer yeah. but uh, I think like Dan said like I I never really experiment with weapons like even though stuff is cool like the Legarius wheel it's like I'm just gonna stick with what I know like this is what I'm comfortable with well, to get the Platinum, you have to pick up every weapon in the game. And I think on mm -hmm. subsequent playthroughs, I definitely started experimenting a little bit more where I'm just like, all right, I'm going to dump some stats to use, like, you know, the Holy Moonlight Sword or the, the Rikoyo um, or the Amygdalan Arm. Because I think, like, while it doesn't use, like, builds in a traditional sense, um, I think, like, just kind of finding out fundamentally how each trick weapon works is really interesting. Because I, I can't think of many other games that have, like, trick weapons like this and i think that's kind of where a lot of the combat preference comes out where it's like okay how do i prefer to use my weapon set you know with uh with how i like to play 
and um, I I would like to see them explore that more in other Souls games, other than just like, mm-hmm. here's my sword that I'm going to max out to level 10 and use to smash things to death. Yeah, I, th- I think <laughs> the nature of Bloodborne especially, like it, it doesn't exactly encourage or reward experimentation when it comes to like using... There's never a boss you run into that goes like, shit, I need to use the saw cleaver because mm-hmm. this will be better no the game doesn't do that you you find your bread and butter and you keep on buttering that bread <laughs> that's it throughout the mm-hmm. whole game like i use the great axe for like 10 playthroughs at this point mm-hmm. um the other weapons look cool but it's also you know the nature of the fights is i don't care if you're on like new game plus seven or your first playthrough there will be a boss that will absolutely humble you mm-hmm. that you were not expecting to humble you right and that's when you start going back to your fallback and say okay i know how to play my best using this great axe because i've obviously like have relied on it but yeah i would like to see a sequel like try to tackle that problem right because I, I think mm-hmm. the problem dark souls has a lot of different weapons to experiment with and it's a little more it's build heavy where you can be like hey i'm gonna be a very certain build whereas bloodborne is more about like well we only have aggression and speed as mm-hmm. your successor find the weapon that like gets that the armories have all the same name basically Mm -hmm. and stuff like that right you can build out other things through the runes too which is really interesting oh yeah the carol runes yeah which Mm -hmm. i i always used to my advantage when there was a certain fight that was handing me my ass where i'm just like okay maybe i'll use this rune so i can get more health back when i do a visceral hit and that that's where a lot of i think the more tactician play comes through where it's like how am i going to build out my my specs for my hunter but you could also ignore it that's, you the, could, that, that's yeah. the other thing about the game. You can totally ignore the Carol runes and even building out your weapon a bit more. So it's like, well, why is it there then if it's, you know, uh, not as super important? So it's interesting. It, is that like a, one of the things about the Chalice Dungeons? Like, can you find better runes in the dungeon? Like, because on my playthrough now, I've, I haven't had to change them once. Like, I, you don't really find new, better ones while playing the game again. Can I get better ones in the Chalice Dungeons? Like, do they do? (laughs) Do they stack? Do they upgrade? I think you can get better ones. Um, I've not played the dungeons for a while now, but I don't think there's a necessity to get new ones. I think you can just get all the ones that you need in the base game. So Mm -hmm. there's, and by the time you've got to the Chalice Dungeons, you're so like set with what you've got that like there's. There's no real point in changing, to be honest. Yeah. Okay, I th- I think that's it. Um, closing remarks. If you guys had to kind of sell this game to someone who's never played it, to a friend or, or a listener, what would you say, starting with Harry? How would you sell this game? Oh, that's really difficult. I was hoping to hear other people say that. <laughs> uh, no. Um, no. Uh, firstly, get good. Uh, no, um, no, uh, I just trust in the formula. If you get stuck at the start, keep going. Uh, and it's just, it, it will change your outlook on video games. I know that sounds really, really deep, but I've thought about video games differently since I've played and completed Bloodborne. I mean that that's pretty much how all of us experienced it, right? <laughs> like we all we all had that initial take back of like I don't I don't know about this game, but once you get through it you you really, really you love it. That's why we're here. We all love it. 
What about you, Nate? Yeah, for me, I think the selling point is that, like, like I would tell someone this game, when you get into it, when you study it in, like, a methodical way, this game makes you feel better at video games. Like, it makes you feel like you're very skilled when you're playing it. Whether or not that's true, it might just be part of the kind of illusion of playing a very, like, a game like this. But you really do feel the satisfaction of, like, damn, I am getting fucking good at this game when you, as you're kind of reaching towards the end. And that that that's kind of what makes it so satisfying, so fun to play. Yeah, even though, you know, people always talk about the time sink of these games. It's like, yeah, any game is a time sink. You're going to have to, you know, don't think of a game as, oh, I got to get through this. I got to dedicate the few hours of free time I have at night to this. It's like, no, just even though it's it's a bit methodical and you have to work through some things, it's like just try to relish in, in the journey, right? There is no there is no end point to Bloodborne. Like, yes, there is beating it and getting past a hard boss but at the end of the day it's like you're you it really is the whole journey that is the fun part mm -hmm. not just getting to the credits at the end because you know like we said there's no happy ending to bloodborne <laughs> uh kevin what about you yeah i think uh six years out from the game's release we're still talking about it with reverence and i think this is one of those titles that uh, 10 years from now, we're going to be talking about with reference, even more so, probably. It's a super important title because in all of gaming, it's one of those rare titles that every single component is working in tandem and moving in one direction. There's something super special about Bloodborne. And just the fact that, like, you know, you want to sit down and talk about it with people, just like, and continue to, like, dissect it and unravel means that there's something here uh so special and so like just kind of drawing in that you have to play it i think if you like games even if you just like games not even love games if you like games give it a try right uh, the things that you've heard about it being hard it really is just about perseverance right it, it's it's helping you learn to appreciate games on a different level than you may not be used to and i think it's true uh what was said before is that it makes you better at other games <laughs> if you're willing to take the time to learn it, right? Because I think it gives back. Yeah, the difficulty part, like for anyone listening that maybe hasn't played it, never get intimidated by the difficulty. Like any unknown game or, or game mechanic that maybe you haven't tried is going to be difficult at first. It just takes that, okay, I'm, I'm just going to sit down and, and really try to understand this game and understand... Um, the mechanics and physics of, of the player and my character and how enemies move around and, and just the rules of this world and and you and you'll find it quickly, like even like we said, as soon as the Father Gascoigne fights, like the second boss fight of the game, it it'll probably click with you and you'll be like, I get it now. I really, really start to see it. Uh what about you, Dan? Um, I guess if you like games that have a certain feel wetness smell and grossness about him you'll love this game um it is, why would you say that why would you even <laughs> why say, say that wet and it, smell because it, it, it's it's one of those games where like it, it has like a, a mouth feel and just visual feel about it to where it's like it, it makes me feel a certain way where i'm like oh i'm playing through like a really disgusting game um but outside of that i think um if you like games that reward you whether through gameplay loops and triumph uh, much like, you know, I'll think like platformers like Celeste or run and gunners like, you know, Cuphead, where it's like each run really trains me for the next one that's going to be my victory run. 
um whether you like being rewarded through that or you like being rewarded through discovery whether it's like you know just being like oh i'm gonna go off to that area that looks off the distance that is now accessible and i'm finding a new whole area of the game it it rewards your your i think player attitude and sense of discovery constantly and uh i mean a lot of games do that but few do it quite like this um and honestly if, if you're a fan of action rpgs and action games in a general like this is a must play like this has to be played by anybody who likes that sort of game um because it's it's a master class and it's it's design yeah like we like i said with the spicy opinion right off the bat i it's the best game of all time in my opinion it uh everything meshes so well and it's rewarding it's it's a it's a whole experience through and through i think the five of you put it perfectly there's no better way to incorporate or or encompass what this whole game is all about and even though <laughs> like dan said it's wet and gross and, and it smells not always the most yeah it smells it's not always the most pleasant it's still enjoyable it still feels like home even though it's it gives off that atmosphere of loneliness and death and and kind of the end it's still it it still makes me feel good when I play it. Still makes us all feel good when we play it. We all enjoy it so much that like Kevin said, after so many years and I'm sure ten years into the future when Elden Ring hasn't even come out yet, we're still gonna be talking about this game. It um it's it's just that special and honestly thank you for anyone watching. It's it's been such a it's been a night. It's been a discussion. Thank you guys for coming. Honestly, each and every one of you, thank you for dedicating more than two goddamn hours to come and talk to me about this game. It's the least we could do. For Bloodborne. Yeah. For the Blood Boys. Uh, Kevin, Dan, thanks. Everyone, please go check out the save room. Do you have anything else you want to plug? Oh, do we got other things? You got your Twitch. I got my Twitch. I stream uh, twitch.tv slash the red herb. Uh, we play a lot of Capcom games and stuff like that. That's we recently cool. did a playthrough of Bloodborne. We recently did a playthrough of Bloodborne <laughs> through the multiplayer. It was actually pretty crazy. We we mowed down. The game is not balanced for multiple players, by the way. That's the funniest part about this game. Like, you could destroy most bosses. Like, Ligarius? We didn't. That took us one try. It took right? us one try. It took us one try. Yeah. <laughs> we got through the DLC in probably like two hours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That was a rad time. But yeah, that's on stream, so you can check that out. Nate, you got anything you want to plug? <laughs> Nothing in particular. I, <laughs> I love it. I love it so <laughs> I, like, I never want you to think I'm clowning no, on No, no. Like, just... Everyone has a normal basic job. It's just so funny. <laughs> I love it. Harry? Uh, just read my articles on Jump Club Play when they come up and retweet them. Uh, and that's it, really. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'll, I'm gonna, I'll post your uh, Bloodborne article tomorrow because I love it. I've, I've read through that thing so many times. It's fantastic. Go and oh, go and read okay. Harry's work. Go watch Kevin play uh, Devil May Cry. You're running through right right now. All of them. Yep. Did you get back into FF14? I might. Yeah, I started playing <laughs> it again. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a confession almost, like a guilty confession. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you have caught me. I, I do. I'm back on the grind, yeah. <laughs> Alright, thank you guys so much. It means the world to me. Alright, good night everyone. Thank Thanks you. For having Thanks guys. Thank Thanks you. guys.